Blog Talk Radio. Marcianne, and those were the glorious bells ringing at the San Juan Capistrano, California mission. They ring those bells like that uh, when someone gets married there at the mission. So beautiful. (laughs) So tonight I'm going to talk about retirement again. And uh, I titled this uh, show, Retirement is a Bad Joke for for a Woman. <laughs> but let me start by saying I am a woman and I am retired. So I am speaking now from a level of kind of being in the trenches, you know, the boots on the ground, if you'll allow me that. I started my business when I was 60 years old. <laughs> And I did my business for 20 years. Uh, As many of you know that listen to my show on a regular basis, I had a wedding business in Southern California, and I married couples at the beach. Well, at 60 years old, though, I was one step away from living in my car under a bridge in Orange County, California. (laughs) I didn't know this at the time because I was very contentedly at that time, working for a retired gentleman as his housekeeper. In the traditional English sense of things, if you watch Masterpiece Theater, you know what I mean. I was completely in charge of his estate. I hired and managed all the workers, the gardeners, the cleaning staff, the contractors and subcontractors who kept the house and the buildings repaired. And I regularly talked with his investment counselor who handled his fortune and his attorney and his accountant. Now, this retired gentleman was the person who visited Tacoma, Washington as a young man just out of college and found a little bakery there that had a recipe for healthy bread, which they called Roman meal bread. And it was his marketing idea to use movie stars to show that eating Roman meal bread would give you a teeny tiny waist. And I'm sure many of you can remember or have seen the pictures of the pretty lady who would have a tape measure around her waist showing how tiny her waist is. And she said she ate Roman meal bread. (laughs) And then he also um, had the idea to uh, uh, have uh, to broadcast the baseball games on the radio and have sponsors. And uh, Roman Meal Bread was one of the first sponsors. Now, he made a deal with the owners of this uh, bakery that had this special re- recipe to market their bread all around the, uh, all around the world. 
And the deal that he made with them was that he was to get two cents, two cents for every loaf of bread that was sold. Well, you know what? (laughs) That amounted eventually to over $5 million. (laughs) People eat a lot of bread. So don't look down your noses at small beginnings. You know, if you're just getting a minimum wage right now, put your pedal to the metal and make yourself totally indispensable to that company and climb your way up the ladder to the top. Now, my show is about retirement, but to get to retirement, you you have to work. You work your way to retirement. So if you need to have encouragement about small beginnings, just let me tell you three stories. These are three true stories. Now, I had my own writing office in San Diego from 1987 to 1989. And 50% of my business at that time was preparing resumes for people who were either looking for a new job or we were being promoted at their current job and needed an updated resume for their personnel file. Now, these three stories were by people who were being promoted within their company. Now, the first person started working at the popcorn stand of his local movie theater while he was in high school. When he graduated from high school, he was promoted to being the manager of the popcorn concession because he'd faithfully uh, worked there for two years and showed that he could be on time and that he was dependable and he could make change in the cash register and people liked him. So eventually he became assistant manager of the theater and then manager of that theater and he was now being promoted to be the new manager of a new nine-plex theater in San Diego. Now, the second man started working at the bank as a teller. He did have a college education and started his career in finance as just a teller at the window. I worked at the bank as a teller. Well, eventually he was moved to presenting security investments to the bank's clients and eventually to assistant manager, and now he was being placed as the manager of the bank. And the third man started working as a bus boy in a local restaurant while he was in high school. And after he graduated from high school, he stayed on working there, and he became a server And then he became the assistant night manager, and then the assistant day manager, and then the manager of that particular restaurant. And now he is being placed as the regional manager for the company, and he will be in charge of seven restaurants in his regions. Now, these were all two-cent-a-loaf beginnings, but they have all added up to a successful career that now have more than minimum wage earnings. Maybe not $5 million worth, but having that career that is valuable, that contributes to society, makes you an independent, self-supporting person that doesn't need public welfare. In fact, you'll be paying into the public welfare 
fund when you pay your taxes, and you'll get a different idea, perhaps, about public welfare. As you see, 36% of the money you pay in taxes going to people who don't want to work, who seem to think that they were born into retirement. You might start to look at them in a sort of a different way, you know, like, hey, you guys, get a two-cent-a-loaf job. Stop taking my tax money to sit on your butt and play video games. I could use that 36% of my money to get some stuff I want. Well, back to my story. So this retired gentleman called me into the living room one morning to discuss our future together. And he said, Marcy, I have enough money to stay in this home until I die. I don't want to go to the hospital for anything. I want to stay here in my home and have whatever I need brought to me here. I can afford to do that. Will you stay with me and take care of me until I die? If so, I will leave you $50,000 in my will. Now, he had one living relative. Uh, His immediate successor was a niece. It was the daughter of his brother who had passed. And he he had been married twice, but both his wives had also already passed because at this time he was 95 years old and I was 62. I had started my wedding business, but it wasn't, you know, enough business at that point point in time to support me it just provided some nice and easy cash you know on the weekends $150 here or there as I was just doing ceremonies at that time and driving all over Orange County to do them well I said to him you know let me think about this so I took a couple days to review my life (laughs) I had made some really bad decisions regarding men, which is how I ended up being a housekeeper for this gentleman in the first place. But he lived in a gorgeous home on the ocean in Southern California. And I was surrounded by beautiful antiques and beautiful everything. (laughs) And I was good at running his house. And I had my own room and a private entrance. I made a very good salary. And I just want to say to you, ladies, see, I know the value, the commercial value of a woman. I received a very fine salary for taking care of this man, plus my room and board in, you know, in a $10 million home on the ocean in Southern California. So I thought, hmm, I wonder how long he's going to live. You know, maybe one year, maybe three years, maybe five years. Now, the chances of him living more than five years were pretty slim. So in five years, I would be 67 years old, and I would get $50,000. You know, when you're one step away from living in your car under a bridge, $50,000 looks like a fortune. 
it seemed to me at the time to be just a fantastic amount of money. And I thought, well, how could I make any more than than that doing anything else? Because that's how limited my thinking was at that time. So I decided to do it. I called his attorney to make an appointment for him to change the will. And the attorney said he would need to have <clears throat> some time with Mr. S to determine if this was indeed what he wanted to do and that he was in his right mind, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. <clears throat> so I took him to the appointment, and I waited in the waiting room for two hours. And finally, the attorney came out, and he said, I am confident that Mr. S knows exactly what he wants to do and how he wants to do it. So do you agree to take care of him for the rest of his life in exchange for your current employment situation, which of course included my beautiful home and a very excellent salary, plus $50,000. And I said, yes. (laughs) So the process of preparing the paperwork began. And this is where the story gets interesting, a very big revelation about money and who gets what. At the time he decided to change the will to accommodate our new arrangement, he also wanted to change the trustee to his trust from his only surviving relative's niece's husband to his accountant. So in order to do this, the attorney needed to call the niece and her husband and ask them to come into the office so he could discuss the changes. And this is, of course, when they found out that Mr. S. was going to leave me $50,000. So together with finding out that now they're not going to be the trustee of the trust and also that I was going to be getting $50,000, even though they were still the main heirs of the $5 million estate, they just couldn't let $50,000 go to me. So they were probably just sitting around waiting for that money, you know. And while I took care of him, he was so happy. I mean, he was going to, I think they thought, he'll just live forever. She keeps taking care of him, so we got to get rid of her. So you know what they did? They sequestered Mr. S. I'm sure they told him lies about me, you know, like I was stealing his money or something. And they fired me by putting a letter on my door that had been signed by Mr. S., but it had been prepared by the attorney, which gave them power of attorney for a time when Mr. S. might be considered unable to handle his affairs anymore. But they used it anyway. Well, I immediately called the attorney and told him about it, and he says, I have already heard about this. And because I am Mr. S.'s attorney, I cannot actually give you any advice. I can only tell you that you were hired as at-will employment, and you can be dismissed without notice or any compensation. Now, this was five minutes to five o'clock on a Friday night, and the letter said I was supposed to vacate the premises by midnight that night. And they had just put it on my door that morning. Well, I went to the main entrance of the house and tried my key, and it wouldn't work. They had changed the locks. 
I pounded on that door and I and a strange person came to the door to open it. I said, "Who are you?" And he said, "I am Mr. S's nephew." Well, I had heard Mr. S tell me a lot of stories about this nephew. He was the only son of the niece that was going to be getting um so he was sort of a grand nephew that was going to be getting everything. But clearly, he didn't approve of anything that the boy did. He called him a lazy gold digger. (laughs) And now this lazy gold digger was in charge of his house. And who knows where they had put Mr. S. I never knew. But I, I later found out that in Texas, this is called elder abuse. And it's a felony. I don't know how they still don't know how they handle it here in California. Well, I said to this boy, look, I am Marcianne, and I have been Mr. S.'s housekeeper, and I have things in this house that belong to me, and I need to get them, and I demand that you let me in to get my things. Well, this sort of rattled him, and not knowing what to do, because I must have spoken to him in my seraphim voice, (laughs) So he let me in. Well, I gathered up all my stuff and I told him, you can tell whoever is in charge of this takeover that I have no place to go and I will be staying here in my room until I make other arrangements. Young man, this is the United States of America, not Russia, and you can't just put someone out on the street. And this kid looked at me and just, let me do whatever I wanted. <laughs> and I stormed out of there and went back to my room. Well, the short part of this story is that I found a room to rent in the senior community where I live now. And by the first of the week, I had made arrangements to move all of my stuff to the new room. Here in California, you know, we have the Mexicans, <laughs> and they congregate in certain areas that all of us know. And when you need someone to help you do something, you just go to one of these areas and hire a worker. Most of them can't speak English, but they understand $5 per hour, and they hop in your car. And they do a wonderful job, and I easily moved into my new room. But now here I am, unemployed, 62 years old, one step from living in my car under a bridge in Orange County. Well, the next day I applied for early Social Security. And um, on my way home from the Social Security office where I had been waited on by people who also could barely speak English, I saw a sign at my bank, Help Wanted. So I went in to see the manager, and I nearly, almost literally got down on my hands and knees, and I begged him to give me the job. I said to him, I have to have this job. I just have to have it. And I promise you I will be the best person you have ever had work at this bank if you will give me this job. And he looked at me, and I saw compassion come into his eyes. And I know now that against against all better judgments, you know, I was too old. 
The old guys who come into the bank don't want to talk to an old woman. They want to see the young girls. And I would watch as they would let someone else go in front of them so they did not have to come to my window so they could go to the girl next to me with the big boobs. And I am sure that the employment rules and regulations of the bank pretty much dictated that he was not supposed to give me that job. But you know what? He did. And I worked there for two years while I developed my wedding business. And I still go to that bank today. And one of the girls who works there worked there when I worked there. She's still there. Although the young manager has now risen to high finance with Chase Bank. But Sharon sees what my position is now. She sees how much money I have in my personal account. To me, to her, I am the phoenix that rose from the dead. <laughs> from one step away to living in, a co- in my car under a bridge to owning and living in my own home in the retirement community with enough money that I earned from my wedding business now invested in America, paying me dividend income. Plus the small amount of Social Security, not which I am entitled to, but which I earned by working for 50 years on and off as a woman in different kinds of lower-paying support positions to the men who were running the world back then, and still are, I might add. And now I have both Heinz and Kraft stocks, as well as waste management in my portfolio. (laughs) And my stockbroker and I laugh about this because people are always, going to put ketchup on their french fries and they're always going to eat macaroni and cheese and they're always going to have trash (laughs) so this is my first year in retirement and i must say that going into retirement is an unsettling experience Even though I worked until I was 80 years old, still getting up every day now with no business to run is unsettling for me. However, I have to say I am retired as far as the life of a woman is concerned. Because when I first moved into this retirement community where I live, it didn't take me long to observe that Indeed, the men were retired. They were playing golf, playing pool, going to the pool, sitting around the clubhouse, jawing with the good old boys. (laughs) But the women, all of the women who were married to these men, they were still cooking and cleaning and doing laundry. When do they get to retire? I mean, my sister's husband just retired, and guess what? She's still getting up at 6.30 in the morning and fixing him his healthy breakfast, home-cooked steel cut oats with homemade granola and fresh fruit, home-baked nutritious muffins or her special home-baked breads. She does have a cleaning lady who helps her keep their 7,000-square-foot home clean, but she's the one doing the laundry carrying those baskets of dirty sheets and blankets up and down the stairs to the laundry room out in the garage. 
And now she's becoming like a caregiver as her husband has been diagnosed with a lung condition that requires constant monitoring as well as a new thing that's popped up, a heart palpitation that's not responding to treatment. And he didn't have any of this while he was working. I think sometimes we're so busy we just don't realize that stuff is happening. And then when we slow down and begin to have time on our hands, we begin to be aware of these conditions that then seem to exaggerate, and now we have a problem. So retirement for a woman is a bad joke because a woman never retires. Now, when I saw this when I first moved here, my first goal in my business was to pay off my home. And then secondly, my next goal was to retire. No more cooking. No more doing dishes. No more cleaning. No more doing laundry. Now, this goal also has precluded me from having a boyfriend because all older men are used to having the woman take care of them and cook and clean to the laundry. Most older men today, too, also need a nurse with a purse. My cleaning lady cleans my two-bedroom, two-bath home with living room, dining room, and kitchen weekly, and she also does my laundry. And I eat everything in a bowl, either soup or cereal. And I have lean cuisine TV dinners, so no dishes. I haven't cleaned a bathroom since 1994. I supervise the cleaning ladies at Mr. S's, and Ernestina has been cleaning my bathrooms for me now since 2001 when I moved in to the retirement community. Well, I probably am one of just a few women who has actually retired in the fullest sense of the word. Because having been in the wedding business for 20 years, I certainly know about how most women want to meet Mr. Wright (laughs) and have a life together with their true love for the rest of their life, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health for the rest of her life. And cooking and cleaning and doing laundry is part of that scenario for the woman for the rest of her life. So most women are never going to retire. However, since I did retire this year from running my own business, I can speak directly to my own experience in dealing with retirement. And I think I could speak directly to my sister's husband if he would listen to me, which I doubt he would, but about his lung condition and the heart palpitations since he's been experiencing since he retired. I think it hit me early on, perhaps the first week I was retired. Oh, my gosh, I didn't make any money this week. And then it begins to press in on you. Oh, my gosh, the amount of money I have now It's all I'm ever going to have. There's no new business coming in. There's no credit card deposits today. There's no checks in the mail. There are no deposits into PayPal. The money I have in my investment portfolio now is all I have. And you kind of catch your breath. You know, you scrunch up your shoulders like you're trying to hold yourself and tell yourself it's going to be okay. And the heart palpitations? Well, the rhythm of your heart reacts to the fear brooding in your head, 
which is causing your lungs to breathe shallowly, shallowly and haltingly, and the flow of inner oxygen is being affected, and now the heart is palpitating. Oh, boy. Yes, yes, yes. I know the feeling well. Well, it doesn't help to try to listen to the news to try to find out how everything is going in the economy or whether the Fed is going to raise interest rates or how many new homes are being built or how many cars are being sold. Of course, we have no idea what the effect of terrorism really is. I do know that after 9-11, my son-in-law had to close down his trade show business because he wasn't capitalized enough to withstand six months of no business until things got started moving again. So at 50 years old, he had to take a job doing cold calling in a phone room for a decorating company, struggling to keep providing for his family to not lose his home and to have food on the table because he had taken every bit of his resources to start his company. But he also is the phoenix who has risen because he now is the design manager for the largest trade show company in the world. His clients today are Microsoft, Coca-Cola, Nestle's, and Fender Guitar. You know, when you're down, the only way to go is up. And if you stay focused, do what you have to do. Never give up. Never turn back. You will rise again. And now he is looking towards retirement, (laughs) that elusive, mystical land of enchantment that awaits everyone at the end of the rainbow. But I can say retirement brings with it a sense of loss a sense of emptiness. Where is that daily sense of fulfillment, of being needed, being creative day-to-day, offering solutions to customers, making them happy and getting paid for it? There is an order to working, a time to get up each morning, the morning ritual of getting ready for work, choosing what you're going to wear, the trip to work, through familiar neighborhoods. Oh, look, the folks are putting up their Christmas decorations. And seeing the people at work and having meetings and meeting deadlines, accepting challenges and feeling good about presenting your ideas. And now that life is over. So I decided to qualify to drive for Uber. (laughs) And when I feel that sense of emptiness or accomplishment, I just go get in my car, turn on the Uber app, and take people places. And my last trip was so much fun. Two handsome guys who had flown into John Wayne Airport in Orange County were staying at the Hilton at the airport who wanted to go to the Mission Viejo Country Club. I picked them up at the Hilton and I said, I'll bet you guys are going to a wedding. And they said, yep. We both went to college with the groom. So we talked wedding stuff while I flew down the freeway to the beautiful country club where I indeed had even done several weddings myself. 
And I also answer the phone and take orders two days a week for the florist I worked with while I was doing my weddings. And it's so much fun to take her orders. At least you know I'm making money for someone. And she pays me 10% of what I sell, which is sometimes 15 or $20. (laughs) And the first week I answered the phone for her, I sold one order for $80. So she sent me a check for $8. And I took it to my Chase Bank to cash it. And excitedly, I told a young man in his crisp navy blue suit with white shirt and red, white, and blue tie, obviously a recent college grad on that fast track of a finance career with Chase Bank. I told him, I just got a new job, and they pay me commission on my sales, and this is my first check. I'm so excited. This young man's face with that big, what can I do for you today, smile, never changed at all. He just kept smiling at me as he cashed my $8 check. How would you like your cash, he politely asked. (laughs) But I'm sure he had my story to tell in the break room later that day. You know, this crazy old lady was so excited about cashing her $8 commission check. (laughs) So, you know what? My show today is about different kinds of small stuff. Two cents a loaf makes $5 million. And an $8 commission check fills the need to be needed and appreciated when you retire And the secret to a happy retirement is accept what your income is and live within this income. I think some people think that they still have to live at that same level of life that they had while they were working. I think this is probably the goal that most people try to set for their retirement. But you know what? A lot of statistics today say that a lot of baby bloomers haven't a clue about how they're going to retire. And there are a lot of other statistics that say that most pension funds are not really funded. And it is alarming how many Fortune 500 companies have dumped their retirement programs onto the federal government. You know the federal government, Mr. Magic Money Machine? And my friend Linda's retirement program was dumped onto the federal government when United Airlines went bankrupt, and now she only gets 60% of what she thought she was going to get. And today's prices are at an all-time high. What about your pension fund? How secure is it? Perhaps it would be meaningful for you to consider what type of a lifestyle you would like to have when you stop working or never stop working. In looking back over all the events of my life, I think the time that I rented the room and put all of my worldly belongings into it was one of my most valuable experiences. Because you know what? You can get life really, really simple. I mean, how much of anything is enough? I still only have two pairs of shoes today my thongs which i used to go to the i used to go to the swimming pool and my other pair of shoes 
which take me everywhere else. And at looking at your ability to accept a certain level of income, remember, you can still work if you want to. Walmart will hire you to be a greeter. Walmart will hire anyone who wants to work. Or you could drive for Uber. And you know what? Amazon.com is getting ready to offer real-time, one-hour delivery of any item you order through Amazon.com. You could be the first person in your area to sign up to do this. Once you are secure in your ability, continue to be independent and self-sufficient in your retirement. You won't be developing lung problems or heart palpitations because you can be relaxed and begin to enjoy your retirement. Unless you are a woman. (laughs) And if you are a woman, remember, a woman never really retires. A woman is a woman is a woman. And the man needs the woman more than the woman needs the man. Because a man goes from his mother to his wife and then back to his wife being the mother. Because the woman renders the full range of the feminine attributes from the cradle to the grave. We never retire. 